The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he bent me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If it's Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose. And he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Gentlemen, you recognize this man, Eddie Mansfield. You know something, ladies and gentlemen? I humiliated Scott Casey with my perfection, and I sheared an old Angora goat named Scott Casey. It made me happy. <laughs> just to shear that nanny goat rider, just like he ought to been sheared. I humiliated him. And all, when I'm through with him, all he's going to look like is some well-done cabrito. I humiliated you, you nanny gold rider. You look at there. I humiliated him like he's never been humiliated. All the people in Texas, he cannot walk the streets of Houston, Texas, San Antonio, Texas. He cannot walk the streets of anywhere because of the continental lover, because I humiliated a goat roper just like he is, and that made me so happy. Hello and welcome back to the two-man power trip of wrestling. This is a part of our famed feature series here on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcast empire. I am your host, J.P. John Paz, and today we have quite a treat. We have wrestling legend Eddie Mansfield. Eddie will be talking all about the Dark Side of the Ring documentary that has recently just came out. 
And of course, that is all about Dr. D. David Schultz and the slap heard around the world. So this great series on Viceland called Dark Side of the Ring really goes in-depth and they get you the stories that you may not have heard. You may have heard, but you may not have heard the full story. And man, they go into great detail. And that is uh, our buddy Evan Husney and Jason Eisner over at Dark Side of the Ring for Viceland. They do a really, really excellent job. And this Dr. D. David Schultz episode was no different. So today, bring in a very rare get. Eddie Mansfield to the show. The Continental Lover joins the two-man power trip, and we talk all about 2020 and John Stossel and Dr. D. David Schultz, and we go into detail, actually very, very deep detail, on that whole situation. Stossel kind of working him a bit, trying to get his story out there and lying to Eddie Mansfield about what he really was going to portray and what he's going to put out there and what he wanted to know about the wrestling business and of course Eddie Mansfield for years has kind of been known as the guy that quote unquote exposed the wrestling business and brought the the darkness into the light if you will about pro wrestling and how he broke kayfabe but we go into in-depth detail about why necessarily that wasn't really the case does he regret it does he have um, a lot of misunderstanding about it Does he have some misconceptions out there about him? We go into full detail on all of that. Great, great stuff. We get some good uh, answers out of Eddie about what he thinks about not only wrestling back then, but what he thinks about wrestling today as well. So I'm not going to go too much into further detail about it because I think this is a great longer interview that I think you're really going to enjoy. But I do want to mention this before I pass it along to the interview. We have many shows here on the Empire, including Rick Bassman's Talking Tough, which is available on Podcast One. We have Shane Douglas's Triple Threat Podcast, which is available on Vince Russo's The Brand. We have Dr. Tom Pritchard's Taking You to School, which is on our feed here on the two-man power trip of Wrestling Empire. And of course, be remiss if I didn't mention this last but not least, Dutch Mantel's Dirty Dutch has his own podcast on MLW Radio called the University of Dutch. So all that is a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcast empire. Now, this is going to be a a very fun ride for you wrestling fans out there and a very great get, especially this week with the Dr. D. David Schultz documentary on Viceland. It's great to talk to the continental lover, Eddie Mansfield.
us on the line right now is a former NWA Florida television champion. You may know him as the Continental Lover. He is Eddie Mansfield. Eddie, welcome to the two-man power trip. John, I, I am. it's a pleasure to join you tonight. And, and also, hey, don't forget, I was America's heavyweight champion, America's tag team champion, rookie yes. of the year. You know, just, just, just remember that, that I was all of that. Yes. But, you know, I, I am so thrilled to uh, join you. You know, coming off of this Viceland uh, deal, I just mm-hmm. I finished. And, you know, I want to make something clear to all the all your listeners and all your uh, everybody mm-hmm. that, number one, I don't even know Jim Cornette. And I don't even know who he is. All I know is he just runs his mouth constantly. And I don't, I don't but I just want to make it up front. And I'm gonna. I, that's all I'm gonna say. I, I only. I've never met him, and do not know him. So, let's keep moving. Okay. So the, like you mentioned, Vice Land, Dark Side yeah. of the Ring, the documentary. I think uh, your name is kind of out there big time now because the Doctor D David Schultz episode that just aired, quite a good one. And uh, kind of like, what were your thoughts? Maybe even how did they approach you about doing it? Well, number uh, number one, John, I, you know my. Since the the 80s, when I I did 2020, and and yep. you know I I'd already lost my career from being blackballed because I wouldn't kick my money back. But but my story has never changed about about why I did 2020. And but the only problem is that and I'm going to tell the viewers tonight that wasn't what wasn't told on on Viceland mm-hmm. um, uh, is this uh, when I did 2020. What what we were going to do, and my agreement with them to do 2020 was for them to compare uh, the billion-dollar wrestling business at that time, like it is today, um, with the NFL, Major League Baseball, uh, hockey, you know, NBA, you know, all the pro sports, and and compare how, you know, professional wrestlers are – are also professional athletes, and how the difference, the difference, and the treatment of professional wrestlers to the treatments of of the other athletes out of the other leagues, when it becomes when when it pertains to health benefits, a four hundred one k, you know, just think about this, John. Do you have a wife and kids? Yes. Okay. Well, think about you. And and all your viewers out there that 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 have uh, husbands and wives and, and and children, and think about pro wrestlers, uh, they have families too. Okay, how about if if you th- couldn't get health benefits uh, to take your kid to the, to the hospital when they needed to go to the hospital or the doctor? I mean, how, how would you feel? Right, not good. Not good. And you know something? That's what's happening in professional wrestling. That's why I used the statement, and, and, and it really rocked the world, was, you know, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves, but he forgot to free professional wrestlers. Well, let me explain that to you people who don't understand that. But because professional wrestling is still run like a slave industry. There's no benefits. There's no 401k, and it's a billion-dollar 
business. You see where I'm going with this, John? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because the, the it, wrestling does not take care of the people that make it the business, uh, that make it the money. And and let me let me point out, this could be very easy. You got the the WWE that's a uh, publicly owned company. It just signed a billion dollar deal with Fox. Not counting USA, they're owned twice on USA. AEW, they got over a hundred million dollars. Then you got Sinclair, a big major broadcast company. Why can't they take care of the wrestlers? Let them join SAG. And I'm going to give you two two examples. The join SAG. Here's how you, you have to be on television nationally. And most most wrestlers that are in in you know, uh, WWE or uh, AEW or uh, ROH, they're worldwide, okay? Then second of all, they're stu- they do stunts. But, uh, but the stunts that, that we do in professional wrestling really hurt you. Uh, a suplex off the top rope, that hurts you. See, they fall under the SAG guidelines of a stuntman. So pro wrestlers can qualify for SAG under two categories. Isn't that special? Mm, interesting, yeah. Now, why hasn't, to me, why hasn't the league progressed to take care of the people that make it the money? That's where I've, 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 I've never changed my preaching. I said it in the 80s, and I've seen over 200 guys die because they had no health benefits. Let's just talk about Kamala. Kamala, he, he's a double amputee because he had no health insurance, had nothing to, to help him. Look at, look at the rocker, Marty Jannetty. His ankles are shot. How come they can't help him? And get him fixed. All the guys that that made them money off of their sweat and backs are they they never make it to 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 midlife. I mean, they never make it. The, the majority of the guys are dying young. I mean, you you can look at you know from a, a University of, of, of Manchester, you know, report. You know, there there's. You, there's in their database. There's over 400 wrestlers who have died before the age of 50. I mean, that's that. If that would have happened in Major League Baseball, or the NFL, or the NBA, or or the NHL, or or soccer, they'd have shut the league down to find out why all these people are dying, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. And and that's what shocks me. That they are, they keep allowing this to happen. They need to make these companies let the guys and the girls. Okay, let's go go with the girls now with the divas, right? Well, the divas. Well, what if they have a, a career of of one or two, three years and want to have a baby? Well, they have to pay for that baby themselves. You know, that's just not right. But you've made that company millions of dollars. You know, for a prime example, you know, I know, uh, like, well, Marty Jannetty. I mean, him and uh, Shawn Michaels as the Rockers, they still bring in almost a million dollars a quarter or more 
for the WWE, and 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 Marty gets, you know, not even pennies on a dollar. I mean, it, it's it's just sad, and 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 that's what I look at. It, I look at things as a business that, because I'm a businessman, and and I'm an ex wrestler, and and I enjoyed my wrestling, believe me. But I want to see wrestlers that are professional athletes that we are treated like every other professional athlete is treated with, with benefits, you know, like in the NFL, when they get 55, they get benefits. You know what you get at 55? If you make it to 55 in wrestling, nothing. And that's, that's the shame of the business. That is the crying shame that they don't take care of the people that, that make them the money. And that's the problem I have. I love wrestling more than anything in the world. And there's a lot of great athletes right now in the, in the wrestling business. And and I just can't I just can't stand to see, you know, the guys breaking down because all these bumps that we're that they're taking now, they're they're not going to make it to 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 50 years old without being all banged up and and you know. A lot of them in a wheelchair, or, or, you know, they can't pay the bills and, and treat it like second-class citizens. It, you know, that just breaks my heart. I mean, it doesn't have to be that way. This, the, the professional wrestling business is huge. It's a billion-dollar industry. Like I said, WWE alone signed a billion-dollar deal with Fox. Well, let me tell you, all those guys like Sean Hannity and 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 other guys that are on Fox and on CNN and on these other networks they have a union they have benefits they have health benefits they have 401k's they have something when they leave but with wrestling what what's going to happen okay well you get good paydays well, say say you make say you've made 750,000 or whatever okay then all of a sudden you know, you, you have to live with that 750000 but you have to pay for your rent and you have to pay for your car insurance and all that. Then your your own insurance, if you can afford it. And, and what happens later on in life, nothing has been taken out. You've been 1099. Now, mm-hmm. John, you yep. know as well as I do, let me tell you something. You work for any of these federations and they 1099 you, and you and me, say if you're managing me and say, okay, we got an off night. We want to go work somewhere else. Well, if we went to work somewhere else and got a payday and come back to the, to the, to the big, big boys, they'd fire you. Simple as that. So you're not a, a free agent. You're really under contract, and you're getting away with it. As a public company, I still don't know how they, they get away with it. But I believe – that there's a change going to come, and I hope and pray that I live to see that, where professional wrestlers are treated just like they should be as a professional athlete and get the benefits the other pro athletes are getting. And what's wrong with that? That's only fair. Now, I just want to kind of rewind it back because I wanted to talk about John Stossel and and, and kind of – not how you got on Dark Side of the Ring, but how did you get on John Stossel's radar, and how were you approached by him back in 1985 to do that special? Well, everybody 
That's a great question. And, uh, well, I got on uh, Stossel's radar uh, to a friend of mine, Sam Hall, that, that, done a, that had done a story, uh, award-winning story uh, on me uh, in, in the state of Georgia at the time. And uh, uh, Sam kind of, you know, put me in touch with, with, with them because he was with ABC. And so that's the way that kind of happened. And, but it's like, I tell you, I, I got hosed by, by them. If, I would have never, ever got hosed today because I've been in the television business long enough not to do that. I would have protected myself better. But, but what happened was I had told him never, ever interview, you know, uh, David Schultz because they were trying to fire David. They wanted to get rid of him. Vincent Hulk wanted to get rid of him because he was he was a problem. And so then um, they went and did it anyway. And I said, if you if you interview him, you're going to get slapped. It's in the transcript, you know, from from the '80s. Uh, and, and I'm not telling you lies. I mean, it is in a transcript. But they lied to me. They didn't address what they promised me that the story would be about was about about the wrestlers and their mistreatment with with uh, no benefits, no 401Ks, you know, and kind of comparing pro wrestling with other pro sports. But that never happened. It became an ego maniac show for uh, John Stossel. And, and instead of uh, making a good point, he made a, a, a joke, you know, out of something that was very serious. I took it very serious. And he made a joke out of it. And and my respect for John Stossel is very little. I think he's a joke. He was a joke. And he's a liar. And I'm going to tell you why he's a liar. He didn't ever get slapped on his ear. He got slapped on his face. And I've been slapped harder for free, and he got two hundred eighty thousand. And I went in, and I went to the president of ABC on sixty six in Columbus, and told him if you didn't leave David Schultz and his family alone, they were trying to sue him. Mm-hmm. And I and I said if you don't leave if you don't leave David Schultz and his family alone, I'm going to call a press conference at four o'clock right here, and I'm going to tell them what you did to me. You screwed me on the story. And so they dropped it, and I guess they went to Vince. I don't know what happened there, because you know I was I I, I was in transition from coming out of the rest of the business in in the television business, and so that that was uh, off my plate then. And uh, because they just they did the story, it became an ego maniac story. Is what it did, you know, with Stossel's uh, ego instead yeah, oh, yeah. of and instead of really doing the story. Uh, like it was supposed to be done, where it compared professional wrestling with with all the other professional sports and how the other sports took care of the players where where um, professional wrestlers are treated like second class citizens and and to this day, I hate it I mean because a lot of them can't even make it to autograph uh, sessions to make money because they're so beat up in, and in such pain. I mean, it really, it really, it, it just really breaks your heart to see that. 
Because if you're a wrestling fan and you've seen a lot of these guys performing and, and they've really busted their butt for you and, and really given you their heart and soul, and now they can't hardly get up and go and, and hardly walk. They walk with canes and all this other. That's because the business has, has failed them. The business absolutely has failed the athletes that, has, that, that made it what it is. Now, going back to Stossel for a second. Now you said, oh, Stossel, Stossel, Stossel. You said, okay. but, well, you said he, you know, he, he lied. Obviously, you know, he, he's a bit of a joke himself. He's an egomaniac. But when he's asking you to show him, like, how to work and how to blade, how did he kind of weave, like, and, and work that, like, where you're explaining to him, like, the inner workings of the business? What did he say to you that was for? Well, what that was, I had to do that for them to do the other to do the comparison. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I had to give up something uh, for them to do, to do the comparison or they wouldn't do the story. Because they, they, everybody thinks wrestling's a joke, and wrestling is not a joke. It's one of the biggest businesses in the world. Just ask Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. Did you think that you were exposing the business, though? you think that was going to be bad, especially at that point in time? Did you think that was a bad idea? Uh you know, it didn't really bother me. I'm going to tell you why. Because the business was was starting to change and, and, and go more uh, in, a, in, a, in a TV environment. And, and things were it – was, it was becoming more entertainment and, and more – you know, it was just bigger, bigger and better. And then when I did 2020, it really shined the light on, on the business, and it made it bigger. I mean, the spotlight, the stage got bigger. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, before, it, it was like kind of like, you know, hidden in the dark buildings. And, you know, it, it just wasn't out there like it needed to be. And, and I always have – I'm a visionary. And I look at things, and I want it to be bigger and better and, and, and good. And it was just lacking. It was just lacking all around. I mean, when you come from pro baseball and other pro sports and you see how they run businesses the correct way, and then you get in the wrestling business and you see how you're treated, you go, my God, this is not right. There's a problem here. And there was a problem. And John Stossel is a lion, just a, he's just a lion dog, man. And and what he did is he he, he took advantage of a situation when I told him not to not to do something, you know what I mean? Every mm-hmm. every everybody I told him not to interview or shoot, they put on that twenty twenty. They were my friends. And, with, and they did it anyway. With that, did a lot of those friends of yours did they kind of turn on you? Were they mad at you? Did they call you? Like what was the reaction of of your friends after that story came out? Well, I had a, when I when I first did that, it was such a you know shock. It was the highest rated uh, show in 2020 history. I put that little little idiot on the map, John Stossel. He was a joke, you know, still is. And so I I had death threats. I had all, I mean, it was just like ridiculous, and um, it it was a pretty bad time for me for a short while. With the guys, I had no problem. A lot of the guys knew. 
I mean, I got the tape that showed on 2020 from the Sheik, the original Sheik, Eddie Farhat. And and then um, Roy Shire called me. I mean, all I had I had about eight or nine promoters call me that that they knew that I was doing doing the you know the show, and and as well as as some of the wrestlers. You know, a lot of the wrestlers always talk about doing stuff, but they never do it. Well, now's the time. I think these guys in this time will, I think, stand up, and I believe that I'm going to live to see these guys being in SAG. I mean, uh, Terry Funk was in SAG 20 years ago. That's how he got – that's how he he kept his his kids in, in braces or 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 when they got hurt uh, or or when his wife was sick or whatever he had sag insurance or Terry was hurt he had sag insurance but you know there's only one Terry Font everybody can't be as smart as him and and so when you when you look around why can't we as as wrestlers why can't they go join sag and have the benefits for their whole family what is wrong with that do you see where I'm coming from? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. As far as to D. David Schultz and and really, you know, obviously that the documentary was centered around him and the slap heard around the world and him kind of getting blackballed as well. Not really so much as you, because you kind of really, you know, I mean, stopped kind of getting booked and for a while there. He really had had a bright time in uh, Japan. Did a little bit of Canada. Then obviously he was gone from the business, but he said blackballed really from the WWF, and they kind of screwed him out of millions of dollars. But what's the relationship like with him? Have you ever talked to him since then? Do you talk to him? I mean, what's your relationship with him? Yeah, well, I talk to him every now and then. You know, I mm-hmm. talked to him the other day. You know, it's you know, it's just like it's kind of off and on kind of stuff because I do my own thing, and you know, I'm not associated in his world. I stay in my own world, mm-hmm. and. I have I have enough to do, believe me, and and I'm I'm very very busy, and you know he's a lot older than I am, I'm a lot younger. I mean I was one of the youngest guys in the business, you know. So so I was you know I was I was blessed to be young and and full of you know fire and vinegar, you know ready to go, you know what I mean. So yeah, but you know Forrest David. I, I very rarely talk to him. Every now and then I talk to him. And I feel like people maybe wouldn't know this, but former tag team partner in uh, Ron Fuller's Southeastern Championship Wrestling, right? I mean, you and David yeah. go back go back a ways. Yeah, me and David were, were a great tag team together. And um, I noticed you had another one of my buddies, uh, Dennis Condrion. Oh, yeah, just talk to him. Yeah, it's a buddy, yeah. buddy of mine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Dennis, yeah. Yep. man, I love Dennis. Dennis, you know, God bless him. He fought cancer and he beat cancer. And, you know, man, I just, I my prayers are with Dennis. And I just keep fighting, baby. You know, you're doing great. And that's the kind of guys I like, you know, uh, the, the guys that really are good people. And there's a lot of good wrestlers there that, that are good people. And they need to be taken care of. They really do. You mentioned you're very busy today. What are you up to today? What's uh, what's Eddie Mansfield well, doing nowadays? Well, I'm doing a lot of television. Um, I, I do a lot of lot of television, and and I'm Pro- producing or I'm producing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm uh, 
you know, I finally worked my way up to executive producer. So, you know, that means I'm either either good or getting old. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so anyway, I uh, I got a couple of uh, series I'll, I'll be be doing, you know, coming up, and um, I'm excited about it. And, Anything and I, that we we've heard of? Well, you will hear, uh, hmm. but I'm under, you know, under, with networks, you have to s- sign non-disclosures and all that stuff. And so I can't I can't tell you, you know, the, the name of the series or anything until they release it publicly. And so my hands are kind of tied now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's my business. You know what I really, I, I look at, at stuff like me, that me, that I, that, that what I did on 2020. What about what Harley Race did? He, you right. know, I want him, I want him, I want all your listeners and everybody to know I didn't make one dime off of 2020. The only guy that got paid was the ring guy. Were you supposed to get paid? I think I. I mean, no. I assume, and I'm sure a lot of no. people assume that you would get paid for that. No. 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 You never. Let me tell you something. If it, it, if you get paid for a news story like an ABC 2020 or whatever, in those days it was actually real news. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yep. and they wouldn't wouldn't pay because, in other words, they bought the story. In other words, they gave me money to tell what I told, and they wouldn't pay you, and they never paid me. I had a chance to uh, I had a big contract to do a book, and I'm fixing to do a book. I'm in the process of, of doing a book, and um, I think it's going to be quite interesting. But uh, I turned that down uh, at that time because they wanted me to go behind the scenes and talk about what the guys do and all that. And, you know, uh, back then I, I wasn't in in that to, to harm people, so, you know, break up marriages or whatever. You know, I wanted wanted us to get benefits and stuff. I wasn't there to, to to create divorces, you know. This business has enough divorces. It doesn't need any help. What do you think about the blade part when you're showing him how it's done and how you do it? Are you, like, I don't know, regretting that part of it? Or are you thinking that, you know, I don't know how to kind of word it, but you regret doing that at all, really? No, not really. I don't, I don't regret anything I did except – Here's what I regret. I regret that they mm-hmm. didn't do the story the right way. Right. That's what I, re- I regret. It became an egomaniac John Stossel story because he wanted to get money from Vince. And all of a sudden, as soon as he got his money, his hearing was fine. It's right. wonderful. That's right. really fun. yeah. So, you know, when when you, when you look at it, you know, I was kind of set up in a way, and I and I'm not. I'm believe me, I'm not crying the blues over anything. I, I have nothing. I'm not ashamed of anything. I'm ashamed that they didn't do the story the right way. If they would have done it the right way, maybe we could have saved 200 guys from dying. You know, since I did it in in in, in the 80s, over 200 people have died. And wrestlers, maybe we could have saved a, a, a bunch of them, where they didn't get hooked on uh, hooked on pain medication and all that other because they couldn't go to a doctor. 
You know, that's what I want people to understand, that, that wrestlers are bigger than life but also have families. And, you know, when, you, when you're on the road and you come, come off that, uh, out of that arena and you may have stopped and had a couple of beers or whatever at, at, at the bar and then you go up to, the, to your room, you know, you're all by yourself. And you're sitting there thinking, you know, I'm hurting here. You know, my knee hurts here, my elbow here, my back of my neck hurts. You know, what am I going to do? You know, I got to get up and do it again tomorrow. You know, it's not like uh, NFL where you play once a week. I mean, we go, we were going 300, you know, 62, 64 days a year, you know, all year long. And it just takes a toll on you. And it just breaks you down as as an athlete. And that's why I I uh, I just look at, 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 you know, I would tell wrestlers that are listening to this, please, Take care of yourself and your family. Stand up and fight for your benefits and your 401Ks because you're going to need it when you get in your 50s. Because, you know, the light don't shine for everybody. You know what I'm talking about, John. You, mm-hmm. that, you know, yes. that spotlight, when that spotlight comes off of you, you're not really that important anymore. And right. that's why I... I enjoy you know producing producing gives me an outlet where I can be creative and I can watch other people and and help other people do what they want to do and live their dreams through that script or through that show or whatever and I'm in the background doing doing my thing and and I'm having a good time and I love it and that that's what makes – you know, you have to love what you're doing. And I love I loved wrestling. I still love wrestling. I think wrestling's great. You know, things can be changed. Everything can be changed. You know, like I always tell people with scripts. You know what scripts are written? To be rewritten. You know what I mean? You never get a perfect script, and you know that, John. Mm-hmm. And yes. You're always rewriting something. And so, you know, and, and I hope and pray that I live – to see all all professional wrestlers get their their dues, you know, with, with their benefits to help their family and help themselves when when they're no longer working anymore, and and that means a lot. I mean, you just can't live on just you know being a ten ninety nine guy. You're not going to get very much uh, retirement coming in. From Social Security, believe me, you'll probably get seven hundred ninety-five bucks, you know, if you're lucky. And you can't live on that. And it's just more. It's just more than just showing up and wrestle. You know, I always call it show business. Without the business, there's no show. So I hope the wrestlers today. I know John Cena is is a member of SAG. The Rock is a member of SAG. Terry Funk is a member of SAG, and and why can't the rest of the guys do the same thing? There's so many guys that are like Chris Jericho. He's very talented. I mean, there's so many other guys, the Bucks and Cody Rhodes. All them guys are so talented. You know, there there's so many talented people. But just remember, the talent fades as you get older. 
Doesn't matter who you are. Look at the football players. You know they're 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 expected to to do three years, and that's it. Career, yep. Three and gone. So it, it's it's thank God they got benefits, and they have retirement. Or they would at fifty five they would be in in a bad shape. They'd be like Kamala. And why Vince hasn't got him prosthetics and got him up and and out of that wheelchair and on, and standing tall like he should be. And and like Marty Gennetti, help his ankles, fix his ang- ankles. Yeah, it's, that's just you know, just a that's just two guys I, could, I I named just right off of that. That 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 gave their their heart and soul to to the business, and were treated like you know second class citizens. And you know nobody's perfect, believe me. No one's perfect, and I'm not here to tell you I'm perfect. I'm a long way from perfect. But you know what I do do? Every morning I wake up with a smile, and I'm going to go, hey, I'm going to have a good day today. And you know something? I don't get off on talking about people and, and, and running people down. That's not, that's not me. When I wrestled, they paid me to do that. I was a hell of a heel. But I, they don't do that now. I'm supposed to smile and have a good time. And it's, it's a hell of a lot. I like it. Fun. I have fun. I love life, and I've been blessed to have a good life. I've worked very hard, you know, coming from from wrestling to to learn another another industry. It's it's been you know really really good. I enjoy it. After twenty twenty is over and that airs and and all that stuff happens, and you are kind of blackball from the business, is that a real sad time in your life that you're basically? not going to do something you love and you're not going to be wrestling. Was that hard for you to kind of go through? It still is. <laughs> mm. It still is to this day. Um, I love wrestling and um, I, I, I wish I could do it today. You know, I, I was the first guy to ever sound stage professional wrestling. Uh, when I, when I opened the uh, IWF and uh, at universal studios, I was the first guy to ever do that. And, um, we I had a production deal with Universal, uh, for, and it was in the early '90s when you know no one was drawing. You remember how bad it was in the early '90s? It was horrible. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and, yep. And we 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 always thought because the, the business lulls, it'll go in like a six month lull, and then boom, it'll come back up. Hell, it stayed like in a two or three year lull. It never came back up, and so it's like. You know, if I could, I had it made, man. I had a great deal with them, and they treated me like a king. And you know, I I had a, a production deal with them almost fourteen years, and um, I've, I've been lucky. You know, Universal was good to me. It was very, very good to me, and I can't thank them enough. Um, you know, they took in. You know, they they embraced they embraced uh, my wrestling guys. You know, I, I created the smoking guns. They were the long riders for me. I had RBD. You know, I had uh, Nasty Ronnie. I had Black Jack Mulligan was my world champion. Mondo Clean. You know, I had you know I had I had just Dickie Slater. I had a lot of guys, real good good guys. You know, the Heartbreakers. You know, I always laugh. I said I'm the only guy that ever hired a manager that couldn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so. But you know, when when you look at it, 
and I was working with SAG here, and uh, when I was in Florida, I'm not in Florida now, but when I was when I was in um, in Florida, I was working with SAG, and I had to get the pay up, you know, like they are today. See, they 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 will qualify for SAG now, but then you had to make X number of dollars, you know, and and to qualify for SAG. And I was trying to get, well, being at Universal, you know, it was easy for me to get to the, you know, who I wanted to do, get to. And so, because I wanted my dream to come true for for guys to to have that, we just couldn't draw enough money, and to 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 make it work. And so, hey, maybe that's my fault, and I'll, I'll take the blame for that because I had some great talent. I had really good talent, and it's just a bad time in the business. Yeah, IWF. I feel like it's one of those really really forgotten promotions like you know what i mean like here and gone and there's some films and some things you can get on like youtube or you can get online and stuff but very rare and kind of hard to find right yeah i, I never released the tapes i have the whole library and oh, uh, wow and uh i had i have the um we, we used to do vignettes you know i had like nasty ronnie and the possessor and 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 the stomper neil stewart went on to do 47 movies um and uh, his his son Boo Boo Stewart was uh, one of the stars of uh, Twilight, you know the, the the series or whatever the movie. And uh, but but Niels went on to do like forty seven. He played uh, Jesse the Body Ventura, and you know he he played in Cop and a Half. I that, I got in Cop and a Half. That was his first movie with uh, Burt Reynolds, and uh, they had shot that over in Tampa, I think it was. And uh, from there, he asked me, he said, should I, Henry Winkler asked him, he says, hey, you want to go to Hollywood? And he, and, and, and Niels came to me and he says, hey, they want me to go to Hollywood. I said, well, go pack your damn bags, you know. I said, you'll never get another shot like this. And he, he went and he's been very, very successful, which is great. I'm, I'm proud of, you know, I'm not a jealous guy. I'm proud of all everybody that's successful. You know, and and that's what you want people to be successful with all your listeners out there. You know, I want those guys and girls to be successful and wake up with a good attitude each and every day and go attack that work like that. You got to live every day like it's your last day. And that's what I do. You know, that's why Terry Funk called me Fast Daddy, because I live like no tomorrow. Because I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, John. No one mm-hmm. is. You know that? No one is. And if you wake up with the right attitude and you go about it with, with the right attitude, no matter what you're trying to do, you're going to conquer. You're going to be a winner. And everybody who's listening out there, you're a winner. You look in that mirror every morning and you say, I'm, I'm going out there. I'm going to win the game. Because life, life is a big game. But you can win it with the right attitude. You know? And, yep. and that's, that's the key, John. The, to be, be good. It's not about how you talk about somebody or run somebody down and all that. You know, when I'm doing a, a, a wrestling interview about an opponent, it's okay. I can do it that way. But in real life, 
you know, like some people can't understand that running your mouth too much and running people down, people just turn you off. It becomes just you, just a a motor mouth idiot. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean anything. To tackle that thing would have caused, not just to sell a bunch of T-shirts or whatever. You know, put something back in society. You know, give society something to chew on. That meat and potatoes, baby, that's what you got to have. And and you'll be successful in life. Absolutely. I just want to randomly mention something from IWF, or at least I think it is. Um, just um, going back, a good friend of mine used to have somebody that was good friends with his father, Demolition Blast, who was a, a one-time tag team partner of Demolition Axe. If I remember correctly, he was in the IWF at one point. Yeah, he was. He sure was. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. He sure Car- was. Carmine Adato, yep. Yep, absolutely. He was. And uh he was uh him and Bill Eady. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And um they came down and uh nasty Ronnie uh Ronnie Galetti, N- nasty Ronnie, he uh, was their manager and we did uh uh we shot on the uh I wanna say the Beetlejuice stage. Um yeah. I think that was a Beetlejuice and uh Bride of Frankenstein and, um, you know, Frankenstein. You remember Wayne Brady? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wayne Brady used to be on all, a lot of my shows. He used to do the Frankenstein gimmick, right? And so R- Wayne was on a bunch of my, my shows. He's a great guy, Wayne Brady. He's just the coolest dude, man. He does uh, Price is Right, I think, now, but uh, and, and other stuff. He's just, a, he's just a great talent. Oh, my goodness gracious. Wayne's a great guy. Or does he do Let's Make a Deal? But yeah, yes, let's, yeah, let's, make, a deal. Yeah, let's yeah. make a deal. You're right. Absolutely. Uh, what's his name does prices right? Drew Carey. Got, yeah, Drew. Yeah. But anyway, but Wayne Brady was the coolest dude, man. I'm telling you. And and we used to do them vignettes with the guys. You know, I, I had RBD doing vignettes with Marilyn Monroe, you know, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yep. And it, it was really – and Nasty Ronnie and the Possessor and, and, and the Stomper, which was Neil Stewart. Uh, doing Beetlejuice, they would do Beetlejuice, you know, and 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 then then I had Chubby MC, and uh, he was my rap master, right? And so we we I went and sh- shot a, a video with, with Chubby MC, you know, called the Big Man, and 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 Shaquille O'Neal was there, uh, Dennis Scott was there. I mean, we had a whole bunch of, I mean, it was packed in there. No, old Chubby, he, he turned it out. And so, I mean, we I had a good bunch of guys, man. I was I was blessed. I trained them. I took those guys, and they were all new guys. They never worked TV. There's, there's a different way to work TV and work a house show. And so I taught them the difference, and they all did a wonderful job for me. And they gave 100% every daggum night, man. And I'm so proud of all of them, even to this day when I see them. They, they're just, you know, it's great to see them. Now, as far as your career is concerned, and you know, breaking into the business, I believe it was the late '70s. Yeah, you, you wrestled for a ton of territories, and I feel like maybe people forget that, and maybe they'll think about 2020 or they'll think about that incident. But you had a, quite a bit of a career before that, and, and really wrestled in a lot of major territories, wrestling against a lot of major major talent. Yes, I drew money every. Uh, you know, I was very fortunate. 
I was a continental lover, you know, a rich woman's lover and a poor girl's dream, you know, at 230 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal and stuff like that. And but but I was uh, you know bleach blonde and 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 I I wrestled, I mean uh, every top guy there was, you know, in the territories, because you know I drew money, I got over because I, I was good on the stick and I was good in the ring. Wahoo McDaniel, I'll never forget this, and I loved Wahoo, and uh, I, that's the reason I went to Southwest Championship Wrestling was because of Wahoo, and uh, Wahoo, I was in Georgia at the time, and he watched me wrestle. And um, I was wrestling a guy, actually work, a guy by the name of Eddie Gilbert. And so oh, anyway, yeah. great me and, me and me and Eddie tore the damn house up. He was a baby face then. And so uh, we were cutting, you know, promos. You know, we used to have to cut, you know, back then you'd cut promos, you know, for all the towns and stuff. So I was doing all my stuff. And Wahoo, he called me over and he said, could I talk to you a minute? I go, yeah. And so he called me over by the ring, and he goes, hey, look, I'm taking the book in, in San Antonio, which is Southwest Championship Wrestling. He said, would you come down there? I said, yeah, for a guarantee plus. And so we worked out a deal and, and all that, and he, he said, you know something? He says, I want to tell you something. I said, okay. He said, you remind me of Ray Stevens, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, all in one guy. And I said, you know, I know all, all three of those guys. I really don't know how to take that. Is that an insult or a compliment? He goes, oh, no, no, it's a compliment, man. He says, you both like Ray Stevens. He says, you got charisma like Flair. And he said, you can talk like Dusty Rhodes. And I said, well, I appreciate that. Wow. I, was, I was really kind of nervous there for a while because I, I knew all three. And so, and they could be wild, you know. They could be, you know, what they were, you know. And I'll tell you a quick Terry Funk story. You'll like this, John. Mm-hmm. So, being uh, – you, I know you introduced me as a television champion from Florida. Yes. Um, and I never wanted that belt. They forced me to take it. Eddie, Eddie Graham and Jody Hamilton and Jack Briscoe forced me to take that damn belt. I didn't want it. I, 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 I could draw money without. Me and Scott Casey sold out every arena in the state of Texas, and I never had a belt. Neither did he. And so, anyway... So we get to West Palm Beach, and, and me and Terry were riding together, and we were talking about, you know, Texas and all that, because I just had, I, I had finished up doing that hair versus hair, and I went to Tampa to let my hair grow back out, right? And so uh, and when we did that hair versus hair, we drew the largest crowd in San Antonio wrestling history, and we held that, me and Scott held that record for 11 years and until they built the Alamo Dome. And so we were sitting, this is funny, so we're sitting in West Palm Beach, and, and Terry we're we're getting our boots put on, and, and Terry looks over to me, and he goes, Fast Eddie? I go, yeah, tell you, Terry. He says, was your check a little light? I go, yeah, it was a little light. And about that time, Dusty hit the door, right? And and Terry looked at me, and he says, there's a cow that ate all the cows right there. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Terry Funk, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, man. It's like it's too much, man. There's the cow that ate all the cabbage, and so that's great. But that's good stuff, you know. And, and you know, when I come out with my book, I'm going to have a bunch of stuff, and and it's going to surprise everybody because my book is not full of hate. I don't have any hate, you know. I don't, I you know Jim Cornette. I don't even know the guy, and I'm not going to mention him again. I've given him too much pub, but uh, he he runs his mouth a lot, 
but that's I guess that's his gimmick. They say, you know, it sells his T-shirts and stuff. I have no idea. I don't care. But uh, anyway, I do my thing, and I don't bother anybody. And I say to myself, I just do my, do my my production and and try to watch wrestling when I get a chance. And you know, I'm so proud of all the, the younger guys that are uh, you know carrying on the business and and really working hard and and striving to be the best they can be. And you know, you got to pull for them, man. And it, it it'll turn out okay for everybody. I just hope that they get their their you know their benefits with SAG. They deserve it because they're they're SAG eligible right now. As far as you and your career and everything, do you have favorite matches? Is is there something you know sticks out? I know which is interesting if you just kind of look back um, at some of your career out in California, working Tatsumi Fujinami, great Japanese yeah. wrestler, absolute legend, Andre the Giant. You know, so so many different guys that you worked uh, throughout the year. Just you know, just huge huge names in the business. Yeah. Well, 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 Fujinami, me, uh, we did, uh, they, they, I think it was Channel 10 out of Tokyo, Well, they, they satellite that match uh, to uh, Tokyo uh, with, with Fujinami and me, and uh, we went almost uh, uh, an hour in that match, and, uh, and for all your uh, listeners and out there, at the Olympic Auditorium had a huge ring. It was like 24 by 24, and the normal ring is like 18 by 18. So when you threw a guy, when you shot a guy off to the ropes, you had to literally follow him in, or you'd be standing in the middle of the ring by yourself. And so anyway, I mean, you had to have a lot of wind, you know, to wrestle. And so Red Shoes Dugan was a referee. And you remember Red Shoes, John from uh, Rocky Three, remember? Yes. Yep, and Red Shoes Dugan was I loved Red Shoes, and the announcer was Jimmy Lennon, and uh, I'll never forget that the. So we're we're doing you know me and Fujinami going up and down, boom 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 boom, and about that time I took a big bump and boom he grabbed me you know and and armbar, and I heard Jimmy Lennon say, thirty minutes gone, thirty minutes remaining. And boy, you go like, oh my God! I just, you know, because we've been at a at a tough pace. And Fujinami, man, he he is technically sound. He was one of the 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 greatest workers that I ever worked with. The greatest worker I ever worked with was Terry Funk. I believe it. And uh, so we we went to Larry Lane and me, Larry Lane. You probably heard of Larry Lane. He finished third in the All Army Games, and he was a he was a real big time shooter. And uh, so Larry was uh, he used to be a, a coach, and then he went back to coaching. But Larry was living with me, and he wanted to go raise some money on on the uh, where the Continental Divide is in Colorado, way up there in on, in the mountains. So he had three towns in the Funks, and and me and and Larry, and then we picked up a couple more guys who come up from Amarillo. And so uh, I wrestled one night with Junior, the next night with Terry, and then the next night with Terry. And let me tell you something. I had a blast. I, I learned so much. And I already knew how to work. And But I, I learned so much working with Junior and Terry because my style was more like Terry's. And Junior's style was, was way you know, it's like ground you down. You know what I mean? And so 
it, it taught me how to really work with with anyone and really how I could I always said I could wrestle with a broomstick if I had to. And so that's when you know you're good. And that's when that's when I made myself proud. That when I when I did all that stuff and then then Scott Casey and myself popped Southwest Championship Wrestling and we were selling out everywhere. And um and I still tell Terry Funk. Me and Tiger Conway Jr., you remember that name? Oh Tiger yeah. Conway Jr. Yep. Me and Tiger Conway Jr. sold out Amarillo, Texas. All all your fans are listening. Amarillo, Texas, without a fuck on the card. Now that's a friggin' miracle. I'm just telling you, because you couldn't have a Harley sell out sell out Amarillo, you know, without a funk on the card. But I did it with Tiger Conway Jr. And I'll never forget that. And uh, that was one of my proudest moments. And 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 you know, I had a, a lot of great matches with Chavo Guerrero, the late great Chavo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, we just tore up the place. And and then. I had a bunch of, of, of good matches up in the Cow Palace and, and you know, uh, Fresno. Me and Bad Bad Leroy Brown. Remember Bad Bad? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, me and, me and Leroy Brown, you know. You know, I, I, I took Piper Pats a torch to me, and, and, and I'll never forget. Uh, you know, Rowdy's funny in a stitch, you know, and, and, and he looked at me and he goes, you know, Ed, he said, you're going to earn more he said, he said, you're going to work your butt off, and when you get your pay, you're going to think you got cheated because you've been working so much, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, but he passed the torch to me in L.A., and I took the top spot, and I was involved in every match except the damn first match. And, oh, my God, I was so tired. And, and I mean, during the week, I'd be, I'd be worn out. Thank God I was young. I was real young then, you know, like 22, 21. And I was on top in L.A. That's not bad. Hey, I went in up there. They flew me out there. Um, and I had to take Lonnie Main. Lonnie Main got killed. Remember when Lonnie Main got killed? Yes. He, he went up the wrong way um, mm. and um, in L.A. And he, he hit head on and, and died. So my first match. In an Olympic Auditorium in L.A. was was the main event against uh, Mill Mascaris, and I walked down that aisle, and man, there was an empty seat in the whole place, and I went, "Oh my God!" They said, "I always heard they said, go west, young man, you'll find all the gold," you know, and I was thinking to myself, "Man, that may be true." And so when I was walking down, and I I, I had that, I didn't draw that house, you know, Lonnie Main and. You know, Moondog and, and Mill did it, you know. Mill could sell it out by himself anyway. He didn't need anybody. It's kind of like when Hogan was going. It didn't matter who you put with Hogan. He was selling out, you know. And yes. and you just got to yes. give him credit. Well, credit's due. You know, he he revolutionized the business. And so, anyway, you know, that was one of the, the – that was the first time I got some real money, you know. I got paid $5,000 that night. And I like yeah. fainted, you know what I mean? That's like, okay, you know, I'm coming from being, you know, I was, a, I was, you know, I was rookie of the year two years in a row. You know that? 
No, how is that possible? <laughs> well, that's a, well. Me and Schultz used to talk about that. I was a rookie of the year in in '77 with the uh, with Southeastern Championship Wrestling in Pensacola, and then I was rookie of the year in Knoxville. The next, and, and so, okay. So how? I, I said, when do I ever stop? Because me and Ron Fuller used to live together. I asked Ron. I said, when do I stop being a rookie? Right. Yeah. I said, you know, I'm the only guy that's, you know, you make me a rookie two years in a row, you know. And so he said, don't worry about it. Just enjoy it. That's what he told me. And so what the hell. And so then I went from there, you know, and and I got some I got some good accolades. I was I was blessed, you know. And, um, you know, I was in the rest of the year 1980 and stuff like that. I mean, I was, you know, it was good for me. I had no, I had, I, I really, I don't have, I'm, I don't have any bitter feelings towards the business at all. You know, I just hate that, that they ended my career like that. Uh, but, but it's just the way that things happen. Now you, you can't be bitter all the time. You can't be full of hate and, you know, you, you, you can't just run down people all the time. You got to take the high road and you got to look in that mirror every morning and say, hey, man, I'm going to go make some money today and I'm going to win the game. And and if you do that each and every day, not only will you be a better person, you will actually become great. And not by accident. You're doing it with the talent that the good Lord above gave you. Just use it. You know, so many people waste their talent. Don't you see that, John, every day? Absolutely, yep. Yeah, don't waste your talent. Because you only, hey, you only get one time around. This is not a warm-up. You know what I mean? This is not a warm-up. Go yeah. and get it. And and for all your listeners out there, just remember, when you look at wrestling, remember, that guy or that girl they have family just like you. And they want to be treated just like you would like to be treated. Not so much in the ring, because they, they want you to be mad or, 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 or happy with them. But outside the ring, they have a family. Everybody has a family. They have a mom, they have a dad, you know, or they have daughters or, or sons or husbands. And, you know, you want them to be treated fairly and that's why I preach the benefits so much because I see what it's done to so many of the guys and girls that they can't help themselves a lot to get hooked on pills and all that other stuff because they're in such pain I hate that that just drives me insane because we need to do something about it John and something needs to be done now before we lose one more guy a girl. When it's all said and done, and you know, wrestling is, is way in the rear view, what is the, the lasting legacy of Eddie Mansfield? What is like the stamp you, you, you leave behind on the wrestling business? Well, most everybody um, that, I, that I come in contact with uh, and uh, there's some I, I don't get along with, um, but the majority of guys really like me. 
uh, in and outside of the ring. Uh, a lot of and and but you know it's like any business. Some 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 of the guys you can't trust and don't want to want. You just don't want to trust them. You can't trust them. You know they're snakes. And that's in any business. And so my legacy is probably going to be the 2020, which is sad because I was I was one hell of a worker. And uh, it's very sad, but you know what my I would love for my legacy to be uh, in the wrestling business um, is that the guys and girls get get benefits. That's what I would love to see. That I stood up and I took the bullet. You know what I mean? So that's fine. If, if they they can get some benefits and 401ks to help them when they're getting in their 50s and their kids are grown and they, they, they need to go to college and they need to do all this other like everybody else. That's what I would love to, to uh, that's what I would love to see. And I don't think that's too much to ask to you. Right. I don't, I, you know, I, I, I worked with, with the biggest names and drew, drew everywhere I ever was. I was very fortunate. But that's the, the only thing that's lacking to really kind of round out my career. I'm happy. You know, John, if, if nothing else ever comes of anything, you know, for, for wrestling, for me, I would love to have the benefits for all the, the, the girls and guys. That would be my dream because I have not stopped preaching that since 2020, and you know that well. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can look at any, any interview. I, I, that's why I did 2020. I just I didn't need the I didn't need the publicity. I was one of the top ten guys in the business at the time. I mean, look, look. I mean, you could see. I mean, it's it was. I did, you know. Yeah. As far as like social media plugs, anything? Do you have social media? Do you get out there? Do you have some plugs you'd like to uh, get out there? <laughs> well, I try to. You know, I don't I don't go on uh, social media a lot. You know, because I, in my business, um, I have to kind of, you know, kind of keep a a low profile so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was wrestling, I would be I'd be out there all the time. And uh, but I kind of really I lay low. I don't I don't go out and and say too much. Uh, once in a while, I'll pop up pop a tweet or something, not, you know, out there, but that's about it. And uh, I really don't have, uh, you know, I don't I don't have anything to, to tell people. You know, I have a lot to discuss with people. I mean, I mean, I can tell stories. I can do a whole lot of stuff. I'm a very entertaining person. I know that. But it, it's that, you know, I just don't want to get in that bitter because, you know, you got a lot of tough guys with a keyboard. But when you see the, them, the whites of their eyes, and you're looking at the whites of their eyes, they're not that tough. You see what I mean? Absolutely. So mm-hmm. That way, I don't, I don't like to get on a, you know, back and forth with anybody on 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 that because it's, it's not going to make me any money. 
Why would I do that? Mm-hmm. Very true. I mean, it just makes makes me look like a low life. I don't I don't need that. I I take the high ground. I don't go low. I don't need it. You know, I I'm I want to be respected by 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 actions. And and in the television business, that's that's the kind of way I do. I run my business. You know, I I I, I treat people like I'd like to be treated. And I have a lot of good people around me, and I'm, I'm very blessed, and I, I really am. And you're only good as the team you have surrounding you. You know, on every show I've ever done, it's my team. You know, I'm in a team business. Before I was a single guy, you see what I mean? Where yes. it was me, I had to, I had to, to prove myself to 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 draw the crowds or to get the heat or to get whatever. Now. I, I surround myself with people that number one want to be there, number two are really good at their jobs, and number three, they're all winners. And that's that's the key to success. You surround yourself with great people, and then they will make you greater. Wise words. That that is uh, definitely for sure. Mr. Mansfield, thank you so much uh, for the interview. Thank you uh, for coming on. I uh, appreciate it. Hopefully didn't bring up uh, any painful memories for you. I know uh, Dark Side of the Ring may have, but hopefully. Uh... <laughs> you know, let me tell you something. I, Hey, you couldn't bring up. This has been a great interview. I really appreciate you having me. And um, I'll be more than happy to come back anytime you need uh, a guest. And, um, you know, you're, you're a true pro, John, and I really appreciate, you know, your kindness. And I hope your audience has, has enjoyed the show. And uh, to all the wrestling fans, man, stick with it. It's a great sport. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.